Welcome to Truth 101 with Dr. Greg Ammons, a podcast which examines tenets of the Christian faith in a systematic way. Dr. Ammons serves as a local church pastor and professor of theology in the undergraduate, master's, and doctoral levels, bringing years of experience into the theological arena. Now, here's Dr. Ammons. Is it possible for you to know what God wants you to think and do? Is the Bible enough for knowing what God wants us to think or do? These are great questions. Hi, I'm Dr. Greg Ammons. Welcome to Truth 101, a podcast where we talk about the doctrines of the Christian faith in a systematic way. And we are now into our 10th episode of the 600 series looking at the Word of God, looking at the Bible itself. And in this podcast, I want us to consider the topic of the sufficiency of Scripture, the sufficiency of the Bible. First of all, let's begin with the definition. Theologians say the the definition of the sufficiency of Scripture, that, that means that the Bible contains all the words of God that we need for salvation, for trusting Him perfectly, and for obeying Him perfectly. Scripture itself contains all the words of God that we need for salvation, for trusting Him perfectly, and for obeying Him perfectly. Now this definition emphasizes that it is Scripture alone that we search for God's words to us. In Scripture, we're searching for what God has said to us. And it reminds us that God considers what He has told us in the Bible to be enough. It's enough for us, and we should rejoice in that great revelation that God has given to us in the Bible itself enough for us to know what He wants us to know and to think the way He wants us to think. A couple of passages point to this, 1 Timothy, or rather 2 Timothy. You may remember chapter 3, verse 15 where Paul said, From childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Notice that the writings are, are able to make you wise unto salvation. Notice also 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 where it talks about uh, all scriptures breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness, but notice the last part, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So what you need and I need in order to be complete is the Word of God. Nothing more and nothing less. So that is the doctrine in a nutshell of the sufficiency of Scripture. Now, in this podcast, let me make two or state two principles about the sufficiency of Scripture, and then let me give you six practical applications about the sufficiency of Scripture. And Dr. Wayne Grudem, in in his book, Systematic Theology, goes through these masterfully, and I want you to listen to some of what Grudem says through here about the sufficiency of Scripture. First principle. We can find all that God has said on a particular topic and we can find answers to our questions in the Bible. Now, does the Bible answer every question we have? No. 
Does it address every topic we want it to address? No. Are there principles there that we can apply to areas of our lives? Absolutely. We realize that we will never perfectly obey all of the Bible in this life. We know that. So it may not seem at first very significant to say that all we have to do is what God commands us to do in the Bible, since we'll never be able to obey it anyway. But the truth of the sufficiency of Scripture is of great significance for our lives because it enables us to focus our search for God's words to us on the Bible alone. You don't have to go to other sources. You don't have to try to seek your own revelation. Uh, you don't have to sit, try to seek your own visions or, or anything like that. You can focus all of your search of knowing what God wants you to do and how He wants you to think, what He wants you to value. You can focus your search on simply the Bible itself. Nothing more and nothing less. Now, the biblical teaching about the sufficiency of Scripture gives us confidence, I believe, that we will be able to find what God wants us to think and what God wants us to do. Now, at, at this point, we as Protestants are different from Roman Catholics. Roman Catholic theologians, they would say, well, we have not found all that God says to us about a particular subject until we have listened to the teachings of the Catholic Church throughout history. So they add to the authority, not just a, a, the Bible itself, they add to that authority the, the teachings of, of uh, the Roman Catholic Church throughout history. For example, the Catechism of the Catholic Church says, quote, the church to whom the transmission and interpretation of Revelation is entrusted does not derive her certainty about all revealed truth from the Holy Scriptures alone. Both Scripture and tradition must be accepted and honored with equal sentiments of devotion and reverence. End quote. That is from the Catechism of the Catholic Church. So they're saying tradition plus Scripture equals authority. So the only way, according to Roman Catholics, you can know what God wants you to think and do is look at the Bible, but also look at the teachings of the church or the tradition of the church. Now, we would respond to that saying, although the history of the church may help us to understand what God says to us in the Bible, never in church history has God added to His commands or His teachings of Scripture. Nowhere in church history outside of Scripture has God added anything that He requires us to believe or requires us to do. Scripture is sufficient to equip us for every good work so as the psalmist says, we can walk blameless in the sight of God. So that's the first statement, the first principle. We can find all that God said on any particular topic and we can find answers to our questions in the Bible alone. Here's the second principle. The amount of Scripture God gave or has given was sufficient at every stage of redemptive history. At every stage of redemptive history, what God gave as Scripture was sufficient. Now, Wayne Grudem again says this very well through here in saying the doctrine 
of the sufficiency of Scripture does not imply that God cannot add to His Word or take away from it. He can. Hebrews 1.1 says that many times and in many ways God spoke to us over a period of 1,500 years, but in these last days He's spoken to us through His Son. The point is that at every point of redemptive history, the words God spoke to them were complete and sufficient in that moment. For example, Deuteronomy 29, 29. Moses said, and this is at the end of the law, at the end of the Pentateuch, quote, the secret things belong to the Lord, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of this law. Well, you and I know that more words were to come. The rest of the Bible is going to be written. But at that moment, as Deuteronomy ended, they had everything they needed to, to, uh, the, the, to obey God. The things of God were revealed to them to, to please Him and to know how to think. They had everything in that law that, that, that they needed at that moment. Yeah, so at the death of Moses, the first five books of the Old Testament, they were sufficient for God's people. So for Christians today, the words that God gave us in the Old Testament and the New Testament together, they are sufficient for us during this church age. After the death, resurrection, and ascension of Christ, the founding of the early church is recorded in the New Testament and the assembling of the books of the New Testament canon, no further central redemptive acts of God in history were needed. That was enough. That was complete. So, at every stage of redemptive history, God gave Scripture to His people exactly what they needed so they knew at that moment how to live for God and what to think and what to do. So, as we come to the completion of Scripture now, Old Testament, New Testament together, there will be no more further revelation from God. The canon is closed, and we can know in the Bible itself that it's sufficient for us to know and to think and to value and to do. Now, let's look at six practical applications and statements of the sufficiency of Scripture before we end this podcast on the sufficiency of Scripture. So, first of all, the first practical application, number one, we can know what God wants us to think and wants us to do. The sufficiency of Scripture encourages us as we try to discover that everything God wants to tell us about the questions of life are found in Scripture. Maybe not everything you want to know. Everything we need to know is contained in the words of the book. Now, that does not mean the Bible answers all the questions we might think up in our minds. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says the secret things belong to the Lord our God. But it does mean that whenever we're facing a problem of genuine importance in our Christian life, we can approach the Bible with the confidence that from it, God will provide guidance for that problem. Now, there will, of course, be times when the when we, the answer we find in the Scripture does not speak directly to our, our questions, but we can know for certain that God has given us principles that we can apply. So as we go through life, frequent practice in searching Scripture for guidance 
I believe will result in the increasing ability to find accurate, carefully formulated answers to the problems and the questions of life. So number one, you can know what God has given you in the Bible is sufficient for you to think and do to please Him. Here's the second statement. We should add no other writings to Scripture or alongside of Scripture. Nothing should be added or taken away. Now the sufficiency of the Bible reminds us, as the Bible itself reminds us, add nothing to Scripture, consider no other writings of equal importance to Scripture. Now the reason I say that is because there are groups that do that. For example, the Mormons. They claim to believe the Bible, but they also claim divine authority for what's called the Book of Mormon, which in practice of, Mormon, for, uh, of Mormons functions really as a higher authority. Now they won't tell you that, although the Book of Mormon has many errors that have come through uh, faulty transmission and faulty translations. Still, they believe the Book of Mormon must be added to the Bible for a full revelation to come. We don't need a fuller revelation other than Scripture. So that's one group that does, that adds to the Bible itself. Another group uh, is, is called Christian Scientists. Maybe you've heard of them. They make a similar claim to believe the Bible, but in practice, they hold the book Science and Health with a Key to the Scriptures by Mary Baker Eddy, they hold that above Scripture in authority. And since these claims violate God's commands not to add to His words, we should not think that any additional words from God to us would be found in any of these writings, uh, Christian scientists, of the Book of Mormon, or, or any others. The same principle should also put our minds at ease that we need not search through ancient literature in the hopes of finding more words from God or finding another book of the Bible or finding another uh, gospel of Jesus or what the apostles did. And those false documents, those surfaced throughout church history. The gospel according to Mary and the gospel of Peter and the gospel of Thomas and the gospel of Philip. And all of these documents surfaced throughout church history, but they were all found to be false documents uh, forgeries, if you might say, of uh, uh, trying to encroach upon the Word of God to add to what God has already given us. So I believe the sufficiency of Scripture means that we should add no other writings to the Bible or alongside the Bible itself. You know, one of the things that I've noticed, whenever those extra, extra sources come, whether it's Mary Baker Eddy's writings or whether it's the Book of Mormon or what else, Usually, those, those documents de-emphasize the teachings of the Bible itself or they begin to teach some new things that are contrary to the Scriptures. And so, it's important to note that. I've noticed that these extra documents usually somehow teach something contrary to Scripture or de-emphasize what the Bible's already taught us itself. Third statement, the third practical application of the sufficiency of Scripture. We should consider no modern revelations from God to be equal to Scripture in authority. 
Let me say that again. We should consider no modern revelations from God to be equal in, in authority to the Scriptures. Now, that's happened from time to time throughout the history of the church. And particularly in what has been known as the charismatic movement. I never, whenever I was a boy growing up, it was kind of the height of the charismatic movement. And, and, and I would hear all time, you know, from, from friends who, who were involved in that, well, I know what the Bible says, but God showed me this. I, I know what the Bible says, but God revealed to me that it's okay for me to do that. And folks, that is just, that's just outright dangerous. There, no modern revelations from God are equal to Scripture and authority. We may evaluate such claims and look at those and say, wow, you're, you're placing those revelations on equal level or even greater to Scripture itself. And we must insist that God does not require us to believe anything about Himself or about His work in the world that is contained in these revelations, but not in Scripture. And we must insist God does not require us to obey any moral directives that come to us through such means, but that are not confirmed by the Bible. If God gives you a revelation or tells you something or a vision, what He says better be backed up in Scripture. And really, there's no need for God to give you a revelation or a vision when He's already given you the ultimate authority, the Bible itself. If you're wanting to know what to do, how to think, what to value, well, how to vote, go to Scripture. And the Bible itself will tell you that. You don't need to pray for a vision or a revelation because it will not be equal in authority to Scripture itself. Here's the fourth practical application of the sufficiency of Scripture. We should consider nothing to be sin that is not forbidden by Scripture. We should consider nothing to be sin that is not forbidden in Scripture. Now, in every generation, there is a temptation to add to the list of sins that the Bible already forbids. But the sufficiency of Scripture reminds us that nothing is sin that is not forbidden by, in, in Scripture, either explicitly or implicitly, we can obey the words of the Bible and walk in the law of the Lord knowing that our way is blameless. You know, so many times Christian leaders and even some churches, uh, they, they require rules of people that the Bible never requires. I, I remember as a boy growing up, you know, uh, the, the, you couldn't go to dances. You couldn't dance because, you know, we're, we're Baptist and, and, and you shouldn't play cards. And, and some people said, well, you shouldn't go to a movie theater and uh, things like that. You know, that, those, are, those are a list of forbidding commands placed on the Bible that the Bible doesn't list there. Today, few, if any, churches promote probably these taboos. Some may still do. But I think we need to be careful not to begin, even implicitly, to impose new rules in different areas of life. Uh, for example, uh, 
you know, there are some Christian parents say, well, you know, you shouldn't feed your baby uh, anything but organic foods. Well, that may be a good practice, but that's not, if, if, a, if a family does that, that doesn't mean they're sinning against God. Or, well, you should only homeschool your children or send them to Christian schools, not public schools. And if you, if you don't, you're sinning. Well, that's not a command God has placed upon us. Even the celebration of holidays. Well, you shouldn't celebrate Halloween. I, I don't. But the Bible doesn't say anything about Christmas celebrations or Easter or, or Lent. I mean, we celebrate those things, those, those events. For example, the, the birth of Christ, the, the resurrection. Uh, yes, we celebrate those. But we don't celebrate the cultural events of Halloween or anything like that. So, music preferences. Uh, shaving styles, the uh, way you wear your hair. Sometimes we place things upon people and say, well, those are sins if you do it a certain way when the Bible has never placed those, uh, th th those prohibitions on us itself. So we should consider nothing to be sin that is not forbidden by Scripture. Number five. We should consider nothing to be required of us that is not commanded in Scripture. That is the fifth principle about the sufficiency of the Bible itself. We should consider nothing to be required of us that is not commanded in Scripture. Now this reminds us that the focus of our search for God's will ought to be what the Bible teaches rather than seeking guidance through prayer for changed circumstances or altered feelings or direct guidance from the Holy Spirit apart from the Bible itself. It also means that if someone claims to have a message from God telling us what we ought to do, which that happens frequently, even happens to me, we need never assume that it is sin to disobey such a message unless it can be confirmed by the application of Scripture itself. So, the discovery of this great truth, I believe, can bring tremendous joy and peace to our lives because there will be people out there that try to put extra requirements upon you in order to please God that the Bible never places upon you. So be careful. Consider nothing to be required of you that is not commanded in Scripture, either explicitly or implicitly. And then finally, number six, the sixth practical principle concerning the sufficiency of the Bible. We should emphasize what Scripture emphasizes, and we should be content with the Bible God has given. Now, there are some subjects about which God has told us very little or nothing in the Bible. We remember now, as I said, Deuteronomy 29, 29, the secret things belong to the Lord. And we need to remember God has revealed to us in Scripture exactly what He deemed right for us. So, if it's not in Scripture, explicitly you must, you must accept that God has deemed it's not right for us exactly to, for that to be revealed to us. We must accept this not think that Scripture is something less than it should be, nor must accept this and not the Scripture is something less than it, it, it should be. 
Of course, there will be some situations where we're confronted with a particular problem that requires a great deal of attention. We understand that. And far greater emphasis than, or far greater than the emphasis that it receives in the teachings of Scripture, those are, that's going to happen. But those situations should be relatively few and, and not representative of the general course of our life or the general course of our ministry. In general, everything you, you need in life to please God, every question that comes up, every circumstance you face, every situation you face, you're going to find either explicitly or implicitly God has given you everything you need to think and to know and to do to please Him so you can walk in a blameless way in the law of the Lord. And with that, folks, we need to be content. God knows what's best. God has given us, in the Bible itself, complete sufficiency of His Word and His revelation to us. Don't look for it in extra biblical sources, outside sources. Don't try to put commands upon people that the Bible doesn't. Don't try to put requirements upon people the Bible doesn't. Or don't put sin upon people that the Bible does not. Look to Scripture and focus all of your efforts upon the Bible to please God, to know what to, know what to think, to know what to do. And that in doing that, you can know you're pleasing God Himself. Well, God bless you, and I hope this week that you'll walk with Him in a, in a great way. See you next time on the next episode of Truth 101. You have been listening to Truth 101 with Dr. Greg Ammons. We hope you have enjoyed today's teaching. For more information on recent sermons by Dr. Ammons, go to www.fbcgarland.org. And join us next time for Truth 101.